Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And actually, today, we're expanding that. We're going to be talking to you about something that you know, will make everyone successful, whether they're still working, whether they're stay at home mom, you know, uh, whether you're a full time volunteer, whatever it is, what we're going to be talking about is something that I promise will really help you with every single facet of everything you do every day. Okay. Now that I just like really set the stage for something that is, is spectacular, that's because my guest is somebody that I truly think is one of the most special people in the world. He was gracious enough to go on my program when I was first starting it. He was actually broadcast number 40, and now he's broadcast number 363. So we've had quite a bit of ground in between now and then. But please join me in welcoming one of my most favorite people in the world to our program, Bob Berg. So welcome, Bob. Deb, it's great to speak with you. It always is, and it's fantastic to be back. You know, we need to do it more than every, what, 323 programs. My goodness. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, and what I love is talking about your books because they are so much fun. But you are also, like I said, just such a special person, so gracious, so giving. And, of course, that is the heart of what you are talking about and what we're talking about with for people today. So for the very few people who might not know who you are, let me tell uh, people your bio. So in their best-selling business parable, The Go-Giver, and then their follow-up, The Go-Giver Leader, Bob Berg and John David Mann challenged the conventional wisdom about success. Now they're back with a new and equally compelling story about the power of genuine influence in business and beyond. The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea, tackles the paradox of achieving what you want by focusing on the other person's interests. No, not in a way that is self-sacrificial, but rather in such a way that all parties benefit greatly. This results in both immediate and long-term success. Bob speaks all over the world on topics related to the go-giver, as well as what he calls ultimate influence. While his total book sales number well over a million copies, his and man's original book itself has sold over 700,000 copies and has spurred an international movement. Their new book, however, The Go-Giver Influencer, might just be their most important book of all. So again, Bob, welcome to our program. Well, thank you. It's just a delight to be with you. You know, it. I always have so much fun, whether it's actually speaking with you or I've been to uh, seminars that you have given and, of course, read your books. And they really are so much. Uh, they're, they're not just fun. They're an easy read. You know, so uh, busy people, that's always a, a nice thing. But they're you just get taken in by them because of the storytelling. You use these characters that are. So richly developed, but easy to relate to. You know, anytime I read your books, I'm like, oh, that's me. Or, hmm, mm-hmm. I recognize that person, which is, of course, you know, why they're so successful. But it really is something that when we read your books, we can immediately put ourselves in the place of, you know, at least one character in the book. Well, thank you. And and I, I first of all, I greatly appreciate that you feel that way about the stories themselves and about the writing. A lot of that is, as you know, my my uh, co-author, John mm-hmm. David Mann, who mm-hmm. is the uh, I call him the lead writer and storyteller because that's what he is. Right. And he's just absolutely fantastic. So mm-hmm. we kind of come at it with you know, I'm sort of, sort of a how to step one, step mm-hmm. two, step three. And John's a brilliant storyteller. So it's really fun to collaborate with John. And I, I yeah. learn a lot from him every mm-hmm. time. Well, and, you know, it really is something that I think shows the power of collaboration, Mm. you know, and and because it it is that these books are fabulous. Oh, thank you. you, You've made my day. Thank you. (laughs) So let's just jump in because, you know, as I mentioned, the book is called The Go-Giver Influencer. Mm-hmm. And the influencer part is is what's obviously the most important part of that. So how did you choose that word and that title? 
Sure. Well, you know, and it's interesting because in all the the Go-Giver books in the series, influence comes into play. It was the third law Mm -hmm. in the original book, The Law of Influence. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in the Go-Giver Leader, it was about leadership being influence and Mm -hmm. and so forth. So we written and now what we wanted to do is take that and really expand upon that concept because mm-hmm. we feel right now especially at this time where as we often see on on social media and you and I are social media buddies we mm-hmm. have been for a long time uh we see so much vitriol back and forth <clears throat> uh just horrible mm-hmm. communication and you know what people are doing is they're they're taking different sides and they're they're debating not the issues they're actually ascribing uh, horrible intent to mm-hmm. the people that they're <laughs> that they're right. debating mm-hmm. with. And so what? But so here's what they're doing: they're they're yelling, they're insulting, they're mm-hmm. screaming. What they're not doing is influencing. Right. They're not persuading anyone. If anything, uh, by their well, let's put it this way, Deb. You know, and we've all seen these these arguments, these back and forths on Twitter or mm-hmm. Facebook or or wherever, and we've seen someone say write something like. You know, put an opinion down, and, the, and then someone says, a commenter says, it's people like you who are ruining this country. Right. You are an absolutely evil human being who mm-hmm. wants to blah, 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 whatever it is, mm-hmm. okay? Now, does the person ever respond back to that by by writing, oh, thank you. <laughs> I had realized, right, <laughs> oh, man, you came just at the right time. Right. I'm now going to renounce everything I believe right. and stand for and take yours. No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Just the opposite. It's going to make someone even more defensive mm-hmm. and it's going to keep them entrenched in their position. Right. So what we wanted to do was kind of you know, bring forth another way of doing mm-hmm. it. And then it's not that it's new. It just seems to be forgotten. Right. And that is you can actually you can actually not agree with someone and yet communicate in such a way that you that you open them up to dialogue mm-hmm. and you're able to collaborate and turn, if you want to put it this way, adversaries or potential adversaries into allies. And that's why we thought that that this was uh, the, the, the timing was right for this mm-hmm. book. You know, and it's so true about all of the vitriol that's out there. And I think social media makes it worse because we tend to think of this computer monitor as our shield. You know, right. we're protected. We can call people names. We can write things in all caps. And, you know, Obviously, what we're talking a lot about is politics, but it goes, you know, much further than that. I remember one time I commented on a post, um, and, and someone was talking about texting while driving. And I made the innocent remark of, gee, sometimes I, 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 you know, I'm silly enough to do that at a stoplight. Is that wrong? Yes. I mean, you know, and, and, and I knew that. But a person who I didn't know, I mean, they were, we were just, you know, mutual friends went off on me. Mm-hmm. She called me an idiot uh, in mm-hmm. all caps. I mean, all sorts of things. And I paused and I thought, okay, clearly I hit a hot button here. So I apologized. And I and I said something along the lines of, I'm terribly sorry. Obviously, this is something that is very important to you. But she was so wound up that she wasn't going to calm down. And, you know, turns out she had a child who had died because of texting. So, you know, obviously a very, very emotional issue for her. But the fact that she called a total stranger an idiot and other names really was, you know, it was like, okay. And and then I apologized to the poor person who did the first post because I, you know, it, it went in a totally different way. But, you know, and then I ended up leaving the conversation. Which yeah. is sometimes what we we just have to do, you know. It's mm-hmm. like okay, not going to win, so let's just right. leave. Or as I tell people, you know, don't poke that bear, um, mm-hmm. you know. But it really does, you know. We we tend to think that we're safe, that we can call people names, that we can respond in all caps because they don't know us. And you know, it's it, you know, in in your book, w- one of the things, one of the examples you use is, uh, you know, they the the gentleman, the um, hero, as it might be in the book, got angry at someone who cut him off in traffic, and you know, and he's talking to someone about it, and she says, "You don't know what's going on in their life. You know, how do you know why they were speeding?" And he. You know, and and that really is what happens to all of us. We and and that's the premise of your book is we have to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. 
Because we don't know why they're doing the way th- the things the way they are. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you handle it so beautifully with that woman who, you know, who who insulted you or whatever. And and, uh, you know, she wasn't able to. And obviously she has some very, very emotional right. issues with that, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. But it's not understandable still that she that she did or it's it's understandable. It's not acceptable that mm-hmm. she she acted the way she did. But there's another reason, too, I think, uh, aside from it, it begins with that shield of, of the computer that, mm-hmm. you know, makes you feel safe. Right. It's also that it's become socially acceptable to do that. I know. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. Yeah. Because if it was not socially acceptable and this woman was called on the carpet for it, mm-hmm. it, it's something she would then hesitate to, you know, to do in that way. Right. Um, and, and, but, you know, again, people are people. We're dealing with human beings. We're dealing with human nature and we can't expect other people necessarily to understand this right. uh, because most people aren't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why hopefully, uh, you know, it will bring a little bit more, it will bring a little bit more uh, consciousness mm-hmm. uh, of this fact. And, and we can start then dialoguing with people. But, uh, but again, it's not just a matter of being nice. It's mm-hmm. a matter of doing so in such a way that you can also be persuasive, that you can, you know, when you think about influence, and, and again, we go back to that word, uh, what is influence? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think it's always important to to really establish the premise. And right. I, I think on a, a very, very basic le- uh, level, uh, Deb, we can we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, mm-hmm. usually usually within the context of a specific goal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the definition, but I don't in any way think that that's the substance or essence of influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the essence of influence is pull, pull as opposed to push. Right. Or as we like to say, how far can you push right. a rope? I'm going right? to force my issue or my, my opinion on you. Exactly. And instead, when we pull, it's an attraction. Mm-hmm. You know, great influencers attract people first to themselves mm-hmm. and only then to their ideas. Mm-hmm. And they do this through earning people's commitment as opposed to compliance. And, you know, compliance is that result of of uh, of positional authority, right? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or manipulation or doing those things that we, we look at as being negative and they, mm-hmm. they really are. I, I think what great influencers do in the way they draw people in is they focus on the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've tapped into, uh, what I believe was Dale Carnegie's, um, underlying premise, if you will, in his his classic How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is where he wrote that ultimately people do things for their reasons, right. not our reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the great influencer questions themselves and even mm-hmm. questions their own motives and intent. Right. And they they ask themselves, how does what I'm asking this person to do? How does it align with their goals, mm-hmm. with their wants, their needs, their desires? How does what I'm asking, how does what I want this other person to do align with their values? Mm -hmm. And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, authentically, not not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing Mm -hmm. our will, but as a way to build everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment Mm -hmm. rather than depending upon compliance, which at best is temporary. It's not sustainable at all. And, you know, one of the great leadership authorities I know, her name is Dondi Skumachi. She's also a great friend and mentor of mine. She says, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to influence, compliance, she says, will never take you as far as commitment can go. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think we really have to understand that, that when we can move from that I focus or me focus to an other focus, mm-hmm. looking for ways to tap into their, the, you know, their desires and, and looking for ways to add value to them. Now we're, we're nine steps on the way to, uh, to influence and persuasion in a 10 step game. Right. You know, and it is about thinking of them, you know, and, and I mean, you might actually not change their opinion, but it is, it's about being respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that is a big thing that we have lost. And, and, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, you, 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 des- this person deserves your respect because of the position that they're in or whatever, you know, CEO, president, um, you know, mother, father, uh, clergy, you know, whatever it is. And, 
I think there's a little bit of degree to that that, you know, maybe and maybe it's more that they have respect until they lose it. But, you know, it it is about thinking about the, the other person first and, and really, you know, what what are their values? You know, you, you mentioned that word and, you know, thinking about how you can. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the word manipulation. You know, it, it, this is obviously the exact opposite of that, but mm-hmm. we've gotten so into that. Um, you know, I, I taught a, a course at Metro State in Denver, and one of the things we talked about there, it was a communications course, was how people do things to kind of take the upper hand. And, you know, and, and your character in the book does that. But, you know, some of the other things are, like, you know, uh, you're, you've been called into the CEO's office and, and, you know, and they're talking to you. You're seated and they're sitting on the desk and standing above you so that you have to look up, mm-hmm. you know, or the example in the book, she it, it slightly has his name wrong. You know, so you're immediately put on edge with something like that. You know, th- that happens innocently enough, but there are also a lot of times where people do that to mm-hmm. show that they have the upper hand. And, you know, and those things just set my teeth on edge. And then, of course, I respond from the emotional perspective and I'm like, well, I'm going to get back at them. And, of course, that's the the whole opposite of all of this. Right. I mean, that's where it all starts. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, law number one was master your emotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's only when we're able to be in control of our own emotions mm-hmm. It's only at that point that we're even able, that we're even in a position to take what what could be a negative situation or person and right. turn it into a win for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know this as human beings, and yet how often do we allow someone something that they say or that they do, maybe consciously, maybe unconsciously, but we allow that to push our buttons mm-hmm. in such a way that we cause ourselves to be upset uh to be uh, frustrated, to be angry, right? Which mm-hmm. is what most people say to me, what many people will say. That's their biggest issue, just right. getting angry at, mm-hmm. at people and getting angry at situations and not controlling themselves. Well, we know that to the degree we can control ourselves, we're obviously more influential, more in control, and yet we don't. And mm-hmm. we, we allow ourselves to, to, you know, to lose control. What the, you know, the question's why? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is because we're human beings. Right. And we are, you know, we're emotional creatures. It's how we're built. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we'd like to think we're logical. And, and, of course, to a certain extent, we are. But we're pretty emotion-driven. Right. Uh, we make major decisions based on emotion. Mm-hmm. And we back up those decisions, those emotion-based decisions with logic. Mm-hmm. We uh, rationalize, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, if you break up the word rationalize, it simply means we tell ourselves rational lies. Mm-hmm. And we do this in order to justify uh, making that decision that we knew we really shouldn't have made, but that we wanted to, right. or that we reacted in a certain way that we mm-hmm. know we shouldn't, but rather than blame ourselves, we want to blame outside circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, so the first thing we've got to do is, is master our emotions. Now, I want to qualify that as well because it can very easily be misunderstood. When right. we say master your emotions or control your emotions, that doesn't mean deny mm-hmm. your emotions. Right. It doesn't mean forego your mm-hmm. emotions. Uh, first, that wouldn't be logical. We can't do it because mm-hmm. it's it's part of us, but it's also not necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotions are a wonderful part of life. They right. they bring us joy. They make life worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So by all means, uh, keep your emotions. Just make sure you're in control of them rather than they controlling you. Mm-hmm. You need to master them rather than they mastering you. Or again, referring back to my great friend Dante Scubacci, as she puts it, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, mm-hmm. but make sure you are driving the car. Right. You put them in the the a uh, passenger side passenger of the side. car. Mm-hmm. Seatbelts buckled. Right, right. <laughs> That's not good. I, I you know one of the characters, the judge uh, in the story, mm-hmm. uh, as she puts it to uh, to Jackson, one of the proteges, she says, "Imagine that you imagine that you your uh, imagine that you are a company. Okay, mm-hmm. you've got the board of directors." And that's your emotions. Mm-hmm. And they're giving you advice, right? Right. But then you've got the CEO mm-hmm. who is the logical part of you. Mm-hmm. Well, a CEO should take advice, should consider the advice of uh, of his or her board of directors, mm-hmm. right. which is the emotions. But it's the CEO, the logic part, that must make the decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I love that as part of the mastering your emotions, it is, you know, it, it's a very simple thing, but it's very complicated, and that's to breathe. 
you know, and, and just stop and kind of pause, you know, and, and those things. And, but it was funny because the breathing is, it really hit home for me. You know, I've, I've shared with you that I've, I've had some illnesses. And one of the things that, you know, I've really tried to master doing is breathing. And they tell you to do that for pain. You uh-huh. know, you, you stop and you take deep breaths and it helps you work through that pain or through that situation. And, you know, it's funny. I was in the doctor's office the other day and she took my blood pressure and she went, ee! I said, wait a minute. Wow. <laughs> and, and I said, give me a minute. And I mm-hmm. closed my eyes and I just took, you know, deep, relaxing breaths and I dropped my blood pressure 20 points. And she went, she just kind of looked at me and I said, it's, it's all about breathing. But, you know, it, it is that it's, and part of it is taking the time to calm and center yourself by just stopping and breathing. And, you know, you use sports analogies in the books. Um, and, and it is a, you know, that is how, you know, like a, a boxer, you know, they stop and they kind of pause for a moment. Um, you know, basketball, you know, we, you know, not long ago had, had all of March Madness. And when the kids just ran down the court and flung it up there, Sure, it went in sometimes, but those who kind of stopped and thought about it, their shots went in. So, you know, it's it's kind of that little pause that helps us to master our emotions and, and get things back under control. That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. I, I do wish your doctor hadn't gone E when she when she oh, saw that. Would it would have been nice for her to be calm, but you know, oh, again, yeah. you you yeah. had not I could everybody. See the numbers. I knew it was like uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, but but it is, it's something that it it helps you kind of work through that process. And sure. and some of it is because you're focusing on something else. You know, you're yeah. focusing on taking that deep cleansing breath from the diaphragm as opposed to <laughs> You know, and, um, you know, and, you know, you, you, uh, the, your, your story, you know, includes pets, you know, love pets. My fur babies are the most important things in the world. Mm-hmm. And we see dogs, you know, when they pant, it gets them upset. It, it just, you know, it, it raises the blood pressure. It does all of those things. So it is about kind of calming yourself. And as you said, mastering the emotions, not getting rid of them, acknowledging them and then mastering them. Yep, Absolutely. So your book really is about the five secrets of genuine influence. And, and you have five as, as kind of the overriding concept of all of them. I actually have right here in front of me, right there. See that piece of paper? Uh, uh. The five laws of stratospheric success. They are on my bulletin board when they're not in my hand. Uh. And those are from the go-giver. Um, but let's talk more about the, the five secrets of genuine influence. So the first one was master your emotions. So what's the second one? Yeah, the second one is to step into the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm. And this has to do with understanding what we call the clash of belief systems. Mm -hmm. You know, as human beings, we all see the world from our own points of view. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look at something like the the word belief and defining what is a belief? Well, a belief is a subjective truth. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's a truth as a person understands it to be. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it might be your truth or it might be my truth or it might be Dave's truth or Mary's truth and we all see different. Now, sometimes our truth is the truth mm-hmm. and other times it's not, <laughs> right? But we all do see the world from our, our own set of beliefs, a mm-hmm. belief system, which is, which is a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, mm-hmm. uh, all our experiences, though our belief system is, is generally pretty well entrenched by the time we're little more than toddlers, our right. basic belief system. And after, after that point, things that come into our existence, our consciousness, our awareness tend to add on to those already existing beliefs. So we mm-hmm. grow up and we live our lives, most of us, um, based on an unconscious operating system. Okay. We're not even aware that we have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, everyone else has it too. Right. Uh, this person with whom you're about to have a difficult conversation or interaction, they have their own and they're not aware that they're going through that. And as human beings, we tend to believe that everyone else sees the world basically the same way we see it. I mean, mm-hmm. how could it be any different, right? It's it's all we know. And so that can make for a, you know, that can make for a conflict because it's two people who think they're coming at an issue from the same premise when they're actually looking at it from two totally different directions. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do in this case is not necessarily 
understand that person's belief system, uh, you know, or as we say, it's sometimes it's hard to step into the other person's shoes because we wear different size feet or we have different right. size feet, right? Mm-hmm. We can't necessarily understand their belief system, mm-hmm. but what we can do is understand the fact that they are probably coming at it mm-hmm. from a different belief system. Right. And, and through this, we can now acknowledge that, be aware of that. And now we can create the context for a, a mutually beneficial situation. But it's first understanding that, you know, it's understanding that 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 woman who who came across with that really insulting uh, comment. Well, what are her beliefs? Why does she feel that way? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Right. What has she experienced mm-hmm. that would cause her to do something like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't know until, you know, mm-hmm. And that's why we ask questions. Right. And, and of course, one of the absolute worst things that we do is we assume, you know, and we all know what that word means when you break it down. And, and that is so true because I think, you know, we, we do assume, well, you know, and, and the bad part is we typically assume negative. You know, we assume that they meant to hurt us, that they meant to, you know, be self-centered, to be mean, whatever, you know, and, and, when, you know, assuming actually is not bad because we can assume maybe they're just having a really bad day or maybe this was a, a very emotional topic. So, you know, it's it's not, you know, that we shouldn't assume, but we should, you know, not immediately jump to the negatives. Yeah, well, if we're going to assume anything, let's let's try to assume the best. I absolutely agree with you. Mm-hmm. But one thing we can do to avoid being run by our assumptions is to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I see I thought you again, I thought you handled it beautifully with with, with uh, that person who commented when you said, I'm very sorry. I obviously said something that offended you or said something that has a lot of, uh, you know, this is obviously mm-hmm. something that means a lot to you. Now, if you were in a, a conversation with her, if it was the two of you or you or had you had you wanted to take it to the next step, uh, you know, and you, you could have said something. And I, and I think personally, you just, you did, you handled it beautifully. You did the right thing, but you could have said, you know, is there, you know, is there a reason that this has right. such meaning to you? Mm-hmm. And she would have told you, blah, blah, blah. And then you would have said, Oh, I, I just can't even imagine right. mm-hmm. the kind of loss you might feel. Mm-hmm. And she would have maybe then said, Oh, well, I'm sorry to, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen that happen. Now, right. would mm-hmm. she have? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Right. But that's how these things can do it. When mm-hmm. we actually try to look at what this person may be, uh, may, may be going through their mind, what's in their beliefs, what's in their experiences that we can't possibly know. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, the hard part about social media in particular is, all we have are their words. You know, right. we have no body language. You know, even if they put a little happy face or a little sad face or an LOL or whatever, you know, they might be sarcastic. You know, all the and of course, then we start assuming things. Um, but, you know, that's that's a big part of why I think we have so many problems is we don't get the full context. You know, we don't see their body language. You know, if, you know, if, if that woman, if I'd been speaking to her in person, I would have seen her emotional reaction. You know, she might have teared up. And mm-hmm. then I would have immediately thought, oh, oh my, you know, I've, I've gone down a path that we really didn't want to go down. And, and, you know, but, you know, when somebody just types and says, well, you're an idiot, you're like, right. oh, good heavens. Of course. Uh, of course. Uh, well, yeah. in the book, you talk about, you know, the concept of listening and empathy and all those things, but you also, which are, of course, very, very important. But you, you, one of the things you say is to, to listen with the back of your neck. What does that mean? Yeah, this is actually something that John came up with, mm-hmm. and, and I had to have him explain it to me. And, <laughs> and once he did, I just loved it. It's now become one of my favorite expressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what happens is a lot of times we, we think we're listening when mm-hmm. really what we're doing is we might be hearing, right? right. The physical mm-hmm. act. Uh, but what we're doing is we're kind of, framing our own thoughts where mm-hmm. we're coming up with what we're going to say next or we're listening to a certain degree but it's really so that we can see where they're wrong or mm-hmm. where they're right or what we can say to poke holes in that or or what have you mm-hmm. uh when we say listen with the back of your neck that means you're you're listening with your entire being okay okay i mean you are listening with your your ears but you're also listening with your body and you're listening with your essence and you mm-hmm. are absolutely positively focusing on this person and what they're saying and nothing else mm-hmm. and that's harder to do than it sounds right I mean, it really is. And mm-hmm. it takes practice. But I'll tell you, the people who do that 
become very influential because the, because it, it comes across and is such that this person feels as though, Hey, this person values me. Right. This person is listening to me. This person is wanting to understand. And if you've ever heard someone say, you know what I love about that person? When I'm talking to them, I seem to be the only person they're aware of. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've heard that about politicians and we've heard that about, uh, you know, and so forth. And so that's that's the result of listening with the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's so true. I think about, say, networking events that that I go to. And, you know, I'm talking with someone and they're looking over my shoulder or they're looking at their watch or, you know, clearly just not paying attention. And so I immediately think, well, they don't care. So there's really no point in continuing the conversation. And again, I just jumped into assuming things about them, you know, and and all sorts of things. And and so it's being that good listener is is oh it's a hard skill <laughs> and and it I is. am one of those people that I sidetrack easy you know I'm like squirrel um, oh me too know, me too and so I, I remember I had a guest on one time who you know they they people are always saying you know look the person in the eye well, it gets a little uncomfortable after a while because you know you, it's like you're staring at them and yeah well, you said, don't want to do that right <laughs> yeah. she said actually look at an eyebrow because they and I thought oh well, you know and I've tried that and. They think you're looking them right in the eye, but when you're looking at their eyebrow, you're just slightly above. And so you've got, you know, you, you, it's, it's a little bit more comfortable to do it that way. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think we need to do what we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and we also want to make sure, of course, that we don't stare and that person Mm -hmm. makes uncomfortable. So that's, that's awareness. And so Mm -hmm. I I love that, you know, because what we're doing is we're, we're saying, okay, am I making this person feel comfortable? Mm -hmm. Right. And And, and, yeah, so maybe it isn't staring them in the, the face, you know, all these various things. Yeah. I mean, exactly. (laughs) So what's our third secret? Well, this is to set the frame. Mm -hmm. And if we were to ask, what is a frame? What does that mean? Well, a frame is the foundation from which everything else transpires, from which everything else takes place. It's powerful because Mm -hmm. when you've set the frame properly, you're 80% of the way there to to the results you want. Mm -hmm. Let me, if I may share, probably the best example I've ever seen of a frame. Mm -hmm. And and this happened at a a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, and I, I know you're in Atlanta, so you've oh, got yes. more Starbucks mm-hmm. there than, uh, but, and we have ours too, but I'm a Dunkin' Donuts person. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm often in Dunkin' Donuts having coffee and reading. And, and one day I was there and there was a little boy, probably two, two and a half, three years old, a toddler who was running around the uh, store. His parents called him over to the table. And as he started to walk over, he, he fell. He, he took a oh. spill on mm-hmm. the floor. Yeah. Now he didn't hurt himself. Mm-hmm. You could tell. But you could also tell that he was shocked. Mm-hmm. He was very surprised. And he, he really didn't know what, what to think. And, and so what's the first thing he did? He looked over at the two people in the world he, he most trusts, right. his mom and dad, mm-hmm. to get their interpretation of the event. Mm-hmm. I mean, How what did happened? They react? Uh, right. And, and that's what, and that was going to set the frame for he, how he would react. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that had the parents gotten upset and panicky and run over and, oh, no, are you okay? I think he would have started to cry. Mm -hmm. But the mom and dad handled it absolutely beautifully. They, you know, they walked over very calm with Mm -hmm. smiles on their face and they began to laugh and clap, you know, applaud. And, oh, that looked like so much fun. And what a good trick. And immediately he began to laugh. Mm -hmm. What the parents did is they set a productive frame Mm -hmm. from which he could operate. Right. And that's what we need to do. And that's what we can do. And in the, you know, in the story, uh, we say, smile, right? And Mm -hmm. it's it's always a great way when you Mm -hmm. meet someone, when you greet someone to smile and you set a frame of friendliness and a frame of, of, uh, of, uh, allies and a frame. Now, the question though is, and as you saw happened in one of the scenes, was what about when this person kind of comes to the table, literally or figuratively, in a way that they've already set a negative frame? Mm-hmm. Well, now it's incumbent upon us to be able to reset that frame. Mm-hmm. 
And it might be that let's say you're somewhere where you you're you're uh, the uh, uh, desk person or the front desk person, whatever, can't help you. You need to speak with the the uh, supervisor. And so you politely and gently ask to speak to the supervisor and you ask what their name is. It's, it's Mr. Jones. And you ask to speak to him. So they go back and, you know, you hope they say there's a really nice customer out there who needs to talk to you. But they probably say there's a customer out there with a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so Mr. Jones, who's, who's been working there 10 years, hates his job has to deal with complainers all day he knows he has to be polite but he's ready to quote the rule book and so forth and so his frame is one of adversarial and that's Mm -hmm. the frame he comes to the table with Mm -hmm. well so he walks out there and he's used he expects the person he expects you to say jones i would need blah 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 well blah 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 it goes back and forth and whatever Mm -hmm. uh even if you get what you want you've made yourself miserable you've made them miserable they're going to probably try to sabotage the process you know Mm -hmm. what, what have you but instead, he sees you first with a smile, a genuine smile on your face, but you also take a step toward him with your hand outstretched. And you might say, or, you know, I would say, uh, hi, Mr. Jones, Bob Berg. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to meet with me. I know you're very busy. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right. We have just reset this frame from mm-hmm. one of adversaries to one of two allies who are simply looking for a solution that's going to be mutually beneficial and mm-hmm. we become that person who he wants to help right who he wants to do for and what we did is we simply reset the frame mm-hmm. you know and and that's so true and, and of course what happened was you mastered your emotions you stepped into the other person's shoes exactly and right. then you, yeah and then you reset that frame and that frame is often where the manipulation part comes in um you know they they have set it to where they're in control or, you know, all these various things. And, and it really is something that it's in many cases, as you just mentioned, can be very quickly diffused or, or calmed down, you know, switched, whatever, you know, however we want to use it with that smile, with being gracious, without, you know, coming at somebody from an adversarial aspect. And, you know, it, but of course, our first instinct is, you know, sometimes that we're, we're just going to go out and we're going to get our way. And we'll talk about that in, in a second. But it's, it is, you know, and obviously this works with anything, whether it's your mm-hmm. spouse, whether it's a, an employee, you know, someone who's providing you a service, all of those various things. And, you know, it's, it, it, in many ways, it comes back to just common courtesy. Um, you know, and, and I love the fact that you talk in the book about the, the phrase, my pleasure. You know, and, and, and I didn't realize, you know, and, uh, where, where your source came from. Of course, I live here in the land of Chick-fil-A. And when they take your order and when they, you know, you know, provide you with the food and all those various things, they are to say, it's my pleasure to serve you. And, and say it in a way that, that, you know, they mean it as it's, you know, because we all say it in a rote manner. And now the funny thing is I notice when they don't say it. And I almost want to say, what, it's not your pleasure to serve me, (laughs) but, but it, you know, that helps set that frame too. You know, they're, when it's their pleasure to serve you, it's like, oh, wow, thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so it is about, you know, the, the words that we use, the tone, the smile, you know, and, and again, that's hard when we're only dealing with somebody say on a text message or Mm -hmm. email or, you know, Facebook, all those various things. But it, it it is easy, you know. It, you can accomplish it in those those various mediums. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the uh, Ritz Carlton is another place, mm-hmm. and and uh, who who does that when right. they uh, they the way they greet people? It's mm-hmm. it's never a hey hi or how you doing. It's mm-hmm. always good morning, good afternoon, or right. good evening, depending upon the time of day. Mm-hmm. When they uh, when when you need them for something, and, and and you ask a question, you need their help, and. And they provide it and you say, thank you. They'll never say no problem, right? They'll never mm-hmm. say, they don't even say you're welcome. They say my pleasure mm-hmm. and they, they mean it. The right. interesting thing is that, you know, someone might say, well, that's the Ritz Carlton. You know, they can, they have all mm-hmm. that money for training. You know what? Any other hotel, motel, any uh, big corporation independently owned and operated could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of thought and it's a matter of, of making it of, of, believing in its importance enough to do it and making it part of the uh, company culture or mm-hmm. making it part of one's individual culture. Right. Because when I talk to, uh, you know, a high school, I'll say, you know, if you're working in a, a pizza restaurant or you have a business where you're detailing cars uh, and that customer says thank you or whatever, 
it's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Not no problem. Make yourself of value. Mm -hmm. You know, communicate that additional value. Be that kid who doesn't call older people dude, but Mm -hmm. says sir and Mm -hmm. ma'am and says good morning as opposed to how you doing. And right. says my play, right? And so, mm-hmm. and it's the same with adults. Mm-hmm. And, and so, sure, we can, we can do that and it makes a big difference. It's, it's operating from a totally different frame and it mm-hmm. makes one much more influential. Right. Which obviously leads us very, very uh, smoothly into the next, uh, secret. And so what is that? Well, that's to communicate with tact and empathy. Mm-hmm. And my dad has always defined tact as, the language of strength. Mm. Yeah. And I've always thought that was, that was so wonderful mm-hmm. and so true. And yeah, I see, I see tact as being able to correct someone, to, to, to critique someone, to dare I say constructively criticize someone. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, please. None, we never, we don't want to do any of that. Right. But we're also talking about the real world, not mm-hmm. a, a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And there are times that we need to be able to correct. There's times we need to be able to help someone adjust a certain way of thought or doing or what mm-hmm. have you. What tact allows us to do is to communicate this in such a way that not only is the person not defensive, uh, toward us and resistant to mm-hmm. our suggestion, but they're open to us right. and they're, they're perhaps accepting of our, of our suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get even to that point without tact, mm-hmm. because if we do speak to someone in a brusque way or, or what have you, that person's just going to shut themselves off. Now, mm-hmm. should they? Well, no, probably not. But again, we're dealing with human beings who are basically emotional, who are ego based, who mm-hmm. are emotion driven. So we've got to be able to speak with tact, you know, in order to open the door. Right. Uh, empathy, which is really it's the identification with or the vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, in a sense here, there's a. It's similar to uh, to beliefs or under, or stepping into another person's shoes. We the fact is we don't always understand how another person feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can't necessarily relate, and sometimes to say I understand how you feel is very disingenuous because right. we don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that empathy, really, Deb, is not so much that you understand exactly how they feel. Mm-hmm. It's communicating that you understand they're feeling something mm-hmm. and that this something is distressful or hurtful or painful mm-hmm. to them and that you're there to help them work through it. And when you do that, when you communicate with empathy, that person feels hurt. It, it, just real quickly, it's the difference between when we say step into the other person's shoes, which is kind of logic based, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, uh, and this is what the judge explained to Jackson, whereas empathy is more a sense of emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and and it, it is difficult because we also have to come across as being sincere, you know, as opposed to snarky <laughs> you know, or untactful, you know, maybe is, mm-hmm. is the, the thing. But, you know, my example before of the, the woman who you know, called me an idiot, the worst thing I could have said was, I, I know what you're going through. Because, of course, I, I, I have no child. I certainly didn't have a child that, that died under tragic circumstances, things like that. And, you know, and when somebody responds with that, mm-hmm. you immediately get that wall up. It's like, well, no, you don't. You know, and then, they, then it goes down a totally different direction. Exactly. You know, and, and so it's, it's very difficult. But, again, it's, it's easy to do once you really start thinking through it. Exactly. Yes, it is. It, it actually is. And, you know, when people are able to... Uh, not, you know, not even master these things, but just become proficient at it. Suddenly you become much more self-confidence. You have, you have much more self-confidence, right? Mm-hmm. You're acting out of a whole different way. You become, uh, better liked, more respected, mm-hmm. highly trusted, <laughs> and right. far more influential in your world. And what this does mm-hmm. is it translates into a, a, a personal life, a, a business that's a lot more fun, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot less stressful, and really a lot more profitable. Right. You know, and and I want to talk just a little bit more about responding with tact, because that is, it is difficult. Again, we don't want the person to think, you know, that, that, you know, we think they're stupid or, or whatever, but 
there are times where we do need to make that gentle correction. You know, if I'd introduced you as Tom Berg, you need to make that correction because, you know, we're, we're here to sell your book. If they, you know, looked up the wrong name, all these various <laughs> things. And, you know, my husband's name is Tom. So maybe that was why I just, mm-hmm. you know, had that in there or whatever, you know, so that, that really doesn't matter. But to gently correct mm-hmm. as opposed to, God, you can't even read what you've got written in front of you. You right, know, and, exactly. and it's funny because in, in your book, you know, she calls him by the wrong name and she did it deliberately. Right. Or, you know, his, his impression when he was thinking about it later, you know, back, you know, back to making those assumptions was that she had done it deliberately. You know, and, and he corrected her and then they went on. You know, it wasn't a big deal. But, you know, as you said, there are ways to do it with tact. And sometimes we, you know, one of the easiest ways is maybe to diffuse it with a little bit of humor. You know, if I had called you Tom Berg and you knew that my husband's name was Tom, you know, we could have made some joke about that. Mm-hmm. But it is about being tactful and, and thinking about the other person's feelings while making that correction, while, you know, clearing up, you know, whatever it is. And that is hard for some people because, you know, sometimes our first reaction is to, to just, you know, correct them quickly and, and go on without realizing, you know, oops, maybe I could have said that a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, and even when you're in a, a discussion with someone, whether it's in person, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's mm-hmm. on Twitter, whether it's wherever, um, and and there's disagreement, you can st- still speak tactfully mm-hmm. to someone and kindly. And it, it uh, what I see a lot of times is that it's confused with compromise. And I, I often say that tact should never be confused with compromise. Mm-hmm. We can always speak tactfully and respectfully to others without ever compromising our values. Right. It's two different things. You know, and, and it's funny, I have compromise written down as something that I wanted to make sure that we talked about because, you know, the, the judge in, in the book, mm-hmm. it, frequently they're told you have to compromise. Um, the, uh, the Jillian character was told to compromise in her divorce. Right. And I think, you know, it, it, it tends to have a negative, you know, you're giving in, you're giving up, you know, all these various things. And so compromising isn't, exactly a good thing right well i mean there's a time and place for for mm-hmm. practically everything but no we we don't want compromise to be the first place you go to because right. compromise and and uh uh george the the other mentor uh mm-hmm. jillian's mentor had said he and he said this jokingly but he said uh, compromise comes from the greek word for nobody actually gets what they want right right and okay? so then we're all resentful Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, if you go to compromise, compromise is kind of a lose-lose. You know, you, you give in. Nobody mm-hmm. really, no, what we want is rather than compromise, we want to go to collaboration. Mm-hmm. Because when we collaborate, we build a bigger pie for everyone. Mm-hmm. So again, while there's a time and place maybe to compromise, no, what we want is to try to come up with a solution that everyone feels good about. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> so, right. yeah. So let's talk about the fifth secret. And as my husband would say, this is probably one of the hardest ones for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, what is the, and, you know, of course, I just, I always think, well, he's wrong about that, which is, of course, you know, <laughs> the, what's so funny about this. So, so what is our fifth secret? Yeah. And in our, our books, we tend to make the fifth secret, the, the fifth one, the fifth law, fifth mm-hmm. rule, fifth secret, typically counterintuitive. And, and a little bit, a little bit harder because mm-hmm. it, it goes against what we, we generally, uh, think and where we generally right. go. And, and so number five is let go of having to be right. Mm-hmm. Now again, we, we don't want to confuse this. This doesn't mean we don't want to be right. It right. doesn't mean we don't do our best to make the point in the most persuasive way possible and to hopefully be right and have our opinion or idea accepted. Of course, mm-hmm. that's, we want to do that. It means letting go of an attachment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the attachment to having to be right, because what happens when we do this, when we can let go of this attachment, a, a couple things happen. One, we learn more mm-hmm. because if our mind is absolutely closed and shut to any information that comes in, we can't possibly learn. Mm-hmm. OK, we suffer from confirmation bias where all we see is is what seems to back up our already held belief mm-hmm. in those things that that prove us incorrect, we ignore. Okay. Mm-hmm. And again, this is very unconscious and we don't even realize when, when we're a victim of confirmation bias, 
we will deny that we're a victim of confirmation right. bias. Okay. So, so letting go of the attachment to having to be right allows us to actually learn, which puts mm-hmm. us in a better position to be more persuasive. But mm-hmm. what it also does is it genuinely disarms the other person because they begin to understand you're not just there to be right and to mm-hmm. win at all cost, that what you're doing is you're seeking truth. Right. And so they begin to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And now, again, you go much more into collaboration between people. Mm-hmm. So let this, So paradoxically, the more you're able to let go of having to be right, the more right you'll be mm-hmm. and the easier it is to persuade others that you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's interesting that you, you know, when you mentioned the fact that when 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 I let go of that, then they let go of it, too. And that's kind of one of those communication things where, you know, we're taught to mimic someone, you know, and, and mimic their tone of voice. You know, if they're yelling and you yell, then they keep yelling. If they're yelling and you respond in a quiet tone of voice, then usually they'll ramp it down, you know, or you mimic how they're standing, how they're sitting, all of those various things. And, you know, this the same thing, you know, if, if you're not hell bent on winning at all costs, then they usually not always, you know, they will maybe take that same tactic also. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what also happens, too, is that especially when we're online, although, again, it's in other circumstances, too, but when we're online, it might be. You and another person having a back and forth, okay? Mm-hmm. But remember, there are lots of other people there who are lurking, who are listening in. Right. And they can be swayed. Maybe this other person is so wrapped up on their position and is suffering so heavily from confirmation bias, they're never going to be persuaded. And mm-hmm. that's okay. But there's lots of people who are looking in and they're, they're, they're gauging this conversation based on how the two people are handling themselves. Mm-hmm. Are they operating from logic or just blind emotion? Are they polite and respectful and right? Mm-hmm. And it's that person who handles themselves the right way that has the best opportunity to bring the lurkers over to their side right. of the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see that happen all the time in discussions where you know we we kind of bend toward you know or or start to favor that other person. It's like oh you know they're they're we you know we we immediately assume well they're calm they're rational. Therefore, mm-hmm. they must be right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, that, exactly. that does tend to, to be what happens. Yes, it does. So, holy cow, we've only got about five minutes left. Wow. And I know, you know, I could, we could just talk forever. You know, we just have this virtual <laughs> cup of coffee and we'll just go on forever. So, you know, in uh, one of the things that, that comes out of this book is that there are eight key words that will practically always move a person to your side of an issue. What are those words? Yeah. And, and this is, by the way, it's it like most things, it doesn't happen in a vacuum, but it's mm-hmm. set up when you've been polite and you've been patient and you've been mm-hmm. kind and you've been tactful and you've mm-hmm. controlled your own and, and so forth. And and this person maybe is, you know, they don't understand necessarily how they can help you and you've you've helped them to kind of see. So you've worked through it, but then the decision ends up being up to them. And it may be the customer service representative. It may be the airline ticket, part, what have you. The eight key words are this. If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Okay? I love that. If, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. And mm-hmm. When you say that, what you're doing is you're showing them respect. Mm -hmm. You're letting them know, yes, I I believe you can. I have confidence that you can. But if you absolutely can't, you as a person are more important Mm -hmm. than the situation, than me having to get what I want. So when you do that and you've given them an out or a back door, remember in the story, I think the judge was talking to uh, Jackson about not painting someone in a corner and not giving them an escape, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, and so it, it's what I call the law of the out or back door. The bigger mm-hmm. the out you give someone to take, the less they feel the need to, right. to take it. So when you say, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Now, what you mm-hmm. could do is you could wait a few moments and then just then follow up with, if you could, I'd certainly appreciate right. it. Right. You know, with a smile on your face. With and, a smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the chances are, if that person can, you know, they can't always, but if they mm-hmm. can, and they usually can, they will come through for you. Right. 
or they might come up with other solutions, you know, and, and, but yeah, it's, they're much more willing to try and, and help you when you use those words. Absolutely. Uh, no, no question about it. Those eight words are really, they, they're not magic, but they work like magic. Mm -hmm. And, and accompanied with the smile, you know, and, 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 you know, I kind of joke about that, but that is so true. You know, when you are smiling at someone, when you say those words, they're like, okay, you know, and, and, you know, these, those words are in your other books. And so I knew what they were and I've used them, you know, especially when it is something that's a little bit different. You know, maybe I want something Mm -hmm. that's different on the menu or, you know, getting ready to fly somewhere. And is there some way possible that X could happen? You know, and as opposed to, I want you to do this because Mm -hmm. usually they're not going to do it. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, again, people are ego based. And mm-hmm. when you come on strong and you insult a person, if they can, you know, if, if, if they can find a way to sabotage the process, mm-hmm. they often will. Right, right. And so, yeah. And so it's, it's really best if you, if you want the results. You know, the big thing is this. It's, it's, it's being able to, and this is really what we've tried to do with the book is to help people understand how they can get the results they want mm-hmm. when dealing with others. In such a way that we gen- make this person feel genuinely good right. about themselves, about the situation, mm-hmm. and about you. Mm-hmm. The person who can do that, their influence is sky high. Right. You know, and, and when you do the opposite, it's it's very clear. You know, one of the I always you know on my programs frequently talk about my favorite TV program is The Big Bang Theory, and one of my favorite mm-hmm. comments of all time is when Penny tells Sheldon, "It's not wise." To make the person who serves you food mad. I remember that. That was so <laughs> you know? And funny. of course, then Sheldon's thinking, hmm. But that is true. You know, you don't want to anger that person. And whatever it is, you know, you don't want to make the person mad who signs your paycheck. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, who you have to sleep next to at night. Or, you know, all these various things. I, I said it at the very start. Don't poke that bear. Right. <laughs> you don't know? poke Just the bear. Just don't That's go right. there. So, well, there's one sentence that is guaranteed to prevent misunderstandings. What is that one sentence? Well, this has to do with, um, again, with belief systems mm-hmm. and putting yourself in the other person's shoes. It's understanding that a lot of that we come from, we come from situations from two totally different ways of looking at it. So mm-hmm. uh, let's say, for example, the team leader uh, says, hey, it calls the team together and says, uh, hey, um we there's a, there's been a change from the client. The deadline's been moved up. Uh, we need to we we need you to get your your parts of the project in uh, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Wednesday at five o'clock comes along, and the team leader says, "Okay, where's your where's your work?" Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one person has it done. The other two people on the team don't. Well, why not? Well, to one person, as soon as possible means you drop everything and get it done. Right. The other person to the other person, as soon as possible means once you complete what you're already doing, mm-hmm. then you go to the other. The other person came from a team where when it said as soon as possible meant nothing. Mm-hmm. So you've got four different people with four different definitions. Mm-hmm. And so the way you you ensure a misunderstanding doesn't happen is you clarify. You would ask. Uh, you know, Dave or whoever the team went, Mary, just for my own clarification, that's, by the way, in a, uh, tact, <laughs> right. just for my own clarification, when you say as soon as possible, is there a specific date or time you were thinking? Mm-hmm. Boom. Now he says or she says, uh, yes, Wednesday afternoon, end of day, five o'clock, we need to have it in. So now there's no no chance of a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So basically what we do is we ask someone to define their terms or to clarify what they mean. Mm-hmm. We do not assume that we know what they mean. Or when we say something, we have to understand that the other person might not understand what we mean. So mm-hmm. we clarify. So we might say uh, they've let us know they want it in as soon as possible. And just so we're on the same page, again, that's tact, mm-hmm. just so we're on the same page, uh, it, it needs to be in by end of day Wednesday at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. That's all. That, so, right. so asking the one question we can always ask is for the person to define what they mean. But rather than saying, well, what do you mean by, we want to phrase it and frame right. it tactfully. Because that puts them on the defensive. Exactly. Oh, Bob, we're at the top of the hour. I really could just discuss this with you for hours and hours, you know, and, and because it's, it's fascinating to me. 
in in a lot of ways, it's good reminders to myself. You know, as I said, I have trouble sometimes with the letting go of having to be right. You know, and and Me all too. these, <laughs> yeah, you know, oh yeah, you know, and and then of course, you know, the the whole emotion thing. You know, I am a redhead. <clears throat> you know, and, <laughs> but you know, this this really is fascinating. But you know, we do have those time constraints. So, how do people find you? Connect with you online, and then more importantly, how can they get your latest book, which is uh, oopsie, then I just lost the title of it. The um, Go Giver Influencer. Yeah, that's it. Go Giver Influencer. Yeah. Uh, if they if they go to thegogiver.com mm-hmm. without the hyphen, thegogiver, uh, then they can just click on the icon that's in the uh, icon of the book that says The Go-Giver Influencer, and it will mm-hmm. take them to the page where you can um, get the first two chapters if you like and read right. the first two chapters to see if you like it. Mm-hmm. And then if you do, you can always click through. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, and, and what I love about the book is it starts off showing that people have this adversarial situation. And then it works them through a mutually, mutually beneficial result. Yes. And we won't give it away, you know, because we don't <laughs> want to do that. We really want people to buy the book. And, it, you know, and, and, um, and it was a surprise when I got that. I was like, oh, well, hey. And then, of course, it, you know, it made perfect sense, which was, of course, what the book was supposed to do. But, but I'd gotten so caught up in the characters that I was like, oh, wow, how cool. Uh, I'm so glad you liked it. I take that as a great compliment. Thank you. Well, you know, I really have been having an absolutely delightful time talking with you. I am Deb Creer, and I've been speaking with Bob Berg. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.